Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo out there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud. Try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be in outfit repeater. And you better believe that in outfit repeater is the best thing you can be. Just be chill, smiling, wave. If you stay with us, you'll be okay. It's rough out there, but you. everyone and welcome to the outfit repeaters an unofficial lizzie mcguire recap podcast i'm your host marissa Cantor, and with me as always is sam chung hello marissa it is great to be back in the podcasting chair it is a fantastic holiday season this year despite all of the things that have been going on around the world because i got another lego set <laughs> You did. It's really cute. Yes. I actually, so my mom, um, who has also been reinvigorated by my rediscovery of my love of Legos, has gotten me two Lego sets, which I very much appreciate from her. Uh, So one is a Volkswagen bus, which is a dream car of mine. (laughs) If I could only choose one car to have ever, it would absolutely be uh, a Volkswagen bus. I'm very excited for them to bring that back to us in 2022. And the other one is pretty cool. It's like one of those Beatles artwork Lego sets. So I can choose whichever Beatle I want and you can use the pieces to make kind of like a picture of that Beatle. So I haven't decided which Beatle I'm going to make yet, but I don't think it's going to be Ringo. Sorry, Ringo. <laughs> I think you know. I think it's going to be John. Yeah, John is my favorite Beatle, uh, so it will probably be John Lennon. Yeah, like you say you haven't decided, but you know in your heart. I I imagine it will be John Lennon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's it for for me. All right, see you all next year. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. Yeah, no, this is our last podcast, as uh, our last Outfit Repeaters podcast of 2020, so it's been... Almost a full year of podcasts at this point, which is pretty crazy. We started this back in late February, and now we're we're winding down on 2020. Definitely not the way that we thought this podcast was going to go, but, you know, we're really picking up. And hey, listeners out in India, we really see you. Not, not quite as detailed as Matt McGuire seeing literally every single house that his <laughs> listeners are coming from, um, but, you know... I, I appreciate our, our, our growing listenership from the from the country of India. Yeah, we see you and we appreciate you. You know, I was thinking about this podcast and why we started it, how that why has kind of been taken away from us, but it really has been a bright spot for me this year. I think that it... If anything, it added a little bit of structure to our suddenly structureless lives as much as there are days where it's like, uh, okay, we have to, we have to watch Lizzie. We have to record. It's, it's really added a little bit of purpose to my life this year. Yeah. I know that 
it's uh it's Tuesday because the podcast has gone out. Now, granted, I'm not the most on top of getting it out <laughs> um, as early as I possibly can on Tuesdays, but I do give it my best shot. Yeah, and we committed. We stuck to it. We did not give up. We only had, you know, the one hiatus week when we were moving, but it really has become like integrated into our lives. Yeah, now, you know, your pod your second podcast is going to you know, get off the ground soon. You've really embraced this lifestyle. I have, and so have you. But yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of, um, this is a less natural segue now, but speaking of cars and vans and motor vehicles, we did a thing. Happy holidays to us. We are now the proud owners of Stella. <laughs> Yes, we bought a car. We're very happy with it. Um, we don't have it yet because it still needs to go through the registration process. So we'll probably get it sometime next week. But we are very excited about it. It is, of course, named Stella so that if we ever lose it, we can just pull a Marlon Brando from a streetcar named Desire and just yell for Stella. I think it works out pretty great. It was the quickest decision we made when it came to this car. That's true. We were deliberating for quite a while because you and I have very different tastes. We do. But, you know, I think it came together in a beautiful way. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too. So we're, we're very happy with Stella. And hopefully Stella lasts us for quite a while. Yes. Because I'm not looking to go through the dealership process again anytime soon. No, that was stressful and expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. But we are now mobile individuals. It's so funny. Like, I have never been a car person. And... You know, one of my biggest pros about living in New York City was not needing to drive and not being reliant on a car. Um, but then COVID happened and then we became very stuck because we did not have a car. And now, you know, Stella isn't here yet, but I already love her so much. Well, you say you've never been a car person, but you've always been an opinion person. That's true. Did you like that? Did you like that burn? I'm just full of these zingers today. Yeah, I have a lot of feelings about everything. <laughs> but I think one thing I we did want to talk about a little bit and unpack was Christmas is, of course, a big movie time. But, of course, not many people are going to the movies these days. So several movies were released for uh, viewing at home this year. Now, the two biggest ones, of course, were Soul which is now available on Disney Plus and Wonder Woman 1984, which you can now watch on HBO Max. We have not watched Wonder Woman 1984 yet, although my dad has, and he told me it was uh, okay. So <laughs> um, interpret that as you will. But as far as Soul goes, we did watch that on Christmas. Marissa, what were your thoughts on the Pixar movie Soul? I am still unpacking my thoughts on Soul, and I think that that's the point. It's Pixar is known for being fairly existential in their concepts. And conceptually, this is one of, if not the most existential film that they have put out. It is by Pete Docter, who did Inside Out and Up. Overall, like it was fine. I would go watch Inside Out again before I would watch Soul again. I think that the movie didn't quite know what it wanted to say. And because of that, we're not really sure how to interpret it. 
Yeah, I think my my first takeaways about Soul were obviously it's it's very beautiful in the way that it's put together. It it takes place in New York in the present day, and some of the visuals were very stunning. It definitely, when you watch it, if you've if you're familiar with New York City, you definitely feel it come through. But I think, like you said, Pixar has some very high concept ideas, and they've been executed to I think varying degrees of success. I really liked Inside Out. I don't think that Soul quite meets the level of success that Inside Out had. And it's definitely not my favorite Pixar movie. If I had to rank it, which maybe we'll do one day, it would probably be uh, maybe like bottom third, honestly. Because like you said, they're, they're trying to achieve a lot of different stuff, but it was kind of hard to unwrap the core message about the movie, and also your mom fell asleep. So, <laughs> I mean, that's really not saying all that much, <laughs> in all fairness. Well, you know, she claims she would not have fallen asleep had we watched 1984. I guess we can test that. I, I wholeheartedly do not believe that that is true. <laughs> that's true. 1984 is a, or Wonder Woman 1984 is a much um, longer movie. I also keep thinking about the audience for this movie, like this movie is definitely not for children or I can't see children. I can't see it resonating with children or keeping their attention in any meaningful way. Yeah, I mean, because when you think of a Pixar movie, it usually has, you know, a child in it. I mean, I guess you could kind of consider 22 to be a child, but it's like 22 has been around for so long, even though 22 is still like in a childlike form. 22 has... Uh, I don't know, a very adult outlook, I feel like, on a lot of situations. Yeah. Obviously, she's sort of learning about the world for the first time, but, you know, she's no, she's not Russell, you know? Yeah, 22 has seen some stuff. (laughs) 22 has been around the block, and the company that she's kept, I mean, she's been mentored by the likes of Gandhi, (laughs) by many, many- Muhammad Ali. Many, many old individuals. I don't know. I think I just thought it was going to be one thing. And then the Freaky Friday happened. And I was just like, what is happening? I know what a turn this took. We had just watched the Freaky Friday Lizzie McGuire episode. And then this movie came out. And it was like, oh, my God. Disney is doing Freaky Friday again. Yeah. I I really wish that the movie leaned more into Joe and his life. It was a telling, not showing situation a lot of the time. Like, we didn't get to know Joe enough for the things that we are told about him to really resonate or feel true. I don't know. It's just, like, I think that the story of an unfulfilled musician is compelling in and of itself. I think the setting is compelling to me. I think just a whole movie about leaning more into the music of it all would have been more impact Because I think that that's what, It all culminates in this ending that is pretty much like, don't lose sight of the little things in life. Um, Don't let your passion consume you because life in and of itself is worth it. You're not defined by your accomplishments. Okay. Okay. So, so. Right? Are we still debating this? We might be. Okay. So if you don't want a spoiler on the end of Soul, I would recommend you skip forward a minute or two and I'll give you a second to do that now. And now if you're still here, this is all on you. This is your own fault. So Marissa, after the movie ends, Joe is like, I'm going to live my life to the fullest. 
that's kind of his takeaway from this experience. But what is Joe going to do? Is he going to continue playing jazz music? Is he going to start teaching kids at the school? I don't understand what his... He might understand his takeaway, but nobody in the audience <laughs> understands what he has learned from this experience. Like, what is he going to do now? I don't know. Right. I think my takeaway is more about the teaching aspect of his identity. I mean, his problem was that he set his goal too low. All he wanted to do was play in like one sketchy nightclub. (laughs) He didn't want to make any albums. He didn't want to do anything like that. He was like, this was my dream and I did it now. No, but he got to play with Dorothea. I guess, but... If he, re- if he was very serious, I feel like, about being a musician, he would want to develop his own voice. I just don't. I don't know. That's true. It's like, why does he always just want to be backup? Yeah, why? Who is he, Miranda? Why do you just want to be a backup <laughs> singer your whole life? Like, stop it. Yeah, I don't know. There's still a lot. There's still a lot there. They were trying to say, they were talking about sparks. They were talking about purpose. But your spark isn't your purpose. But what is what? Like, is music his spark? Is music his purpose? Are neither things true? There's just a lot. There's a lot going on in my brain right now. Yeah. So I think all that to say, if you have to watch a Pixar movie, Soul should not be your first choice. I do think that there is a conversation to be had about this movie and how, you know, the protagonist is a black man. Um, But for me, it still felt like, Blackness was written in a way to be palatable to a white audience. Well, I mean, Pete Docter is not black. Right, and maybe that's part of the problem. But yeah, the the body switching thing, having Tina Fey's voice come out of a black character's mouth. like See, that didn't bother me as much. That's a pivotal part of any Freaky Friday story. You know, that's just the way it goes. What about the when the accountant character, who is like kind of the villain, but like not really... That part was all very, like, non-essential to me as well and muddled. I mean, he was a fun villain because he had an Australian accent. Yeah. But (laughs) I didn't really understand how he existed in the physical world or, I mean, yeah, the fact that he was literally looking right at this person and then identified a different person as him and probably scarred that person for life was pretty I know it's just a movie, but that is... You know, a real life microaggression. And like, you just didn't need to make that choice. You didn't, Disney. So all's to say, soul was fine. As Jean-Baptiste says, it's all right. So I, I like Jean-Baptiste, but I think unfortunately this falls a little bit short of the Disney musical number greatest hits worthy album. Like if you're putting together a, a an album of greatest Disney hits, even greatest Disney hits from the last, you know, 10 years, this unfortunately falls a little bit short of the album. This this gets left off. It's all right. Last thing I want to touch upon really quickly was another program that we started watching and then we can get into the show. But uh, quick, you know, 15 second thoughts on The Flight Attendant. Kaylee Cuoco's killing it. <laughs> Really? Are you not going to, that's, that's it. You're only going to use two out of your 15 seconds. I mean, we're only two episodes in. It's super chaotic. I'm enjoying it. Did she do it? Two episodes in, I 
don't believe that she did it. I do like the chaotic energy. It reminds me a lot of kind of, there's a lot of British comedies that have this kind of style where it's like a very closed-ended story. It reminds me a lot of um, The Wrong Man's which is, I believe you can still watch it on Hulu. It stars James Corden and Matthew, uh, is it Boynton? That's Matthew- a good, that's a good comp, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's what it, that's what it reminds me of, where, you know, these people get framed for a crime they didn't commit, and then they just have to spend, you know, however many episodes there are in the series, really just going about clearing their name. It's definitely a bit more serious than that show, because, they show some really disturbing pictures of the Kaylee Cuoco character. What's her name? Cassie. Oh uh, yeah, of uh Cassie's like alcohol dependency and the fact that like her own family is a little afraid to be around her. Yeah, definite content warnings for this show. But um, you know, mad respect for the guy who played Dario Naharis in <laughs> Game of Thrones. I forget his name as well, but um it's a good show. I, I'm I'm into it so far. I'll keep watching it. I think it could be a little bit faster. You know, 50 minutes, sometimes it drags. I agree. When I, I, I at first thought because it, it's being um, pitched as a comedy, I thought we were going to get more of like a 30 minute. Yeah, I think if, the, if they could have tightened it down to 30 minutes. It would it would be it would be real good. And that would keep the pacing going a little bit. But I'll keep watching it. Like like we said, we've only seen two episodes so far. For sure. But yeah, speaking of people getting framed for things they may or may not have done, we have a very interesting episode of Lizzie McGuire to discuss today. Yeah, we do. You know, in the back of my mind, I knew this episode existed, but I totally forgot that we would be unpacking racial profiling on Lizzie McGuire. So that happens. (laughs) Yeah, there, I have a lot. So there's that. Obviously, Cassie Pang really bothered me. I was, I was, I was very confused by Cassie Pang. We can get into all of these thoughts. Yes, I think as we go through the episode, it's a messy episode. I would say nobody is great. Yeah, even the, nobody is great. But I, I do have. I think there is a clear MVP here. I think I agree. Okay, we'll, we'll see. As we'll get to that at the end, for sure. Cool. So today we are going to be discussing episode 210 in Miranda, Lizzie Does Not Trust. In this episode, Lizzie and Miranda's friendship is put in jeopardy when Lizzie won't testify to Miranda's innocence after she's accused of shoplifting at the mall. This episode aired on July 5th, 2002. We finally see the much mentioned mall. Underwhelming. I was very underwhelmed by this mall. It was pretty blah. (laughs) Yeah. They had to save the budget for the mat. Oh, yeah, they really did. Story. So much so that Lizzie's bedroom becomes unrecognizable. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I think that there's a lot to talk about, but, like, sequentially. So let's just, like, do it. Okay. So we start this episode. Lizzie and Miranda are in a bad mood. There's a grunt. There is a locker slam. Things are not good. And it is because... They, you know, got a class assignment, essentially, where they have to write a five-page paper on the red pony. How are they going to write five pages on this seemingly simplistic story? I mean, it seems kind of like a take on the red fern or where the red fern grows. Flashbacks to fourth grade. This is actually the plot of many books, I feel like, that we read (laughs) in grade school. Charlotte's Web. I feel like Black Beauty is this plot as well. 
Yeah. What is with that? Is, is, <laughs> is this supposed, was this supposed to help us process death? Maybe there's an animal. It has a mediocre life. It, it dies. dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, 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 that part rings true to me. God, I have vivid memories of this was like an out loud reading book in fourth grade where like my teacher read it to us. We're sitting on the floor. The big moment happens. And you know me, I am a crier. Always have been. <laughs> Always will be. I, I had kind of a meltdown. Not surprising. That, no, that is not at all surprising. <laughs> Anyways, back to the plot. So... Gym class is next. Gorda's like, at least you don't have homework there. And Miranda's feeling a little rebellious. She's like, maybe we should skip. But Gorda's like, no, you like gym. Why would you skip? So they go. Now, in retrospect, this is very much setting up the whole what's to come, right? Like, Miranda is the type of person, all of a sudden, who would ditch class. Yeah, her, her rebelliousness has always been more for show you know, she's all talk, no action. Yeah. Although we did, of course, get um, this moment. Move it! <laughs> it all just came out. So maybe, it, maybe it's been a real sort of long buildup to this to this episode. Correct. But yeah, gym class made me really upset, and there were several reasons for that. Um, first of all. What the heck? Where is Dot Marie Jones? <laughs> I thought I was going to get some Dot Marie Jones in this episode. Coach Kelly, winner of Big Brother, Big Sister. Spoiler alert. Sorry, I spoiled that before saying spoiler alert. What the heck was this? <laughs> Instead, we get Mr. Digg. Biggest disappointment I, I think I've ever seen. Secondly, why are they all mixed together now? I thought that girls had their own gym class and boys had their, their own gym class. What's the point of mixing them together when there were clearly like girl girl couples, boy boy couples, I don't understand the structure of this gym class. It's eighth grade now. What does that even they can, mean? They can come together. What does that one. even mean? Stay consistent. Yeah. Well, Mr. Dig is here and he is going to teach the gentle art of dance. They've done this already. They have. In this season, I think. I thought it was the first season. Oh, I think it was the first season. But yes, no one is happy about the gentle art of dance. We get some reaction shots, and then we cut to the theme song. And then we're immediately back in gym. It's still the same scene. Mr. Diggs says, Now you might find it weird to study dance in PE. And to that I say, why is that weird? Is dance not physical? Is dance not an activity? Yeah, and Gordo doesn't really understand why Mr. Digg is here. And Gordo, me either. But then Mr. Digg proceeds to dance for them and seemingly has some professional training. He's doing like jetés. He is leaping. See, you you would know better than me, but as I was watching Mr. Dig, I was thinking to myself, is this good or bad? <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell. It started out strong. It fell apart a little. <laughs> okay, because um, I was like, it seems like he knows what he's doing, but is he doing it well? Uh, like everything seemed intentional, but was it good? It's That's like, the question. It's like, I believe that... R.V. Lowe Jr., the actor who plays Mr. Dig, is probably a great dancer. Like, I definitely saw some technique. But then the direction he was given was, but make it Mr. Dig. Okay. That's what I think was happening. Okay. And all the kids think that he is great. So after the example, Mr. Dig tells everyone that they need to pick a partner that they trust. Miranda picks Lizzie immediately, 
partner. They just don't even consider Gordo as a part of the equation. So Gordo needs to go find a partner. And Gordo asks a girl named Beth Lundberg. And Sam, did you notice anything suspicious about Beth Lundberg? I know why you're asking me this. Beth Lundberg is just a taller version of Miranda. <laughs> like to a T. To a T. Like tea. when they flashed to her, I was like, wait, is that Miranda again? <laughs> this really just, you know, this further adds fuel to the fire. Yeah, it's very striking. And then she stands up and the comedy is that she's at least half a foot taller than him. Yeah, but that happens to, well, I was going to say that happens in, in middle school, but that also happens to Gordo. So yeah. <laughs> isn't Lizzie also much taller than Gordo yes. at this point in time? I don't know, like, you know, I haha, she's tall. Yes, Gordo's short. Yes, we, yeah, let's move on. We get it. We get it. Don't worry, this will is not the last time we will be talking about Gordo's height. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Oh boy. For an episode to come. Okay. But yes, they have all partnered up and they do some trust falls. Trust, trust, trust. It's very on the nose, as they say. Mm-hmm. Now we flip to the B story. And as far as B stories go, I think it's a pretty fun one. I don't know. I I wanted a little bit more out of this B story. You wanted more than map of the United States on like a Dell like 2002 desktop computer that lights up in real time. Yeah, you know, I wanted a a little bit more. I wanted okay. I wanted I wanted more. Well, so the sto- so the scene starts with Matt and Lanny interviewing Joe very clearly in this like reporter sort of like late night style asking the questions, throwing in a punchline. And we learn that Lanny got a webcam, um, probably because he's the founder of Webkins. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's a great, that was a great callback. I had totally forgotten that theory. And he and Matt are starting a talk show on the internet in 2002, which is hilarious. An internet talk show, yeah. So here's the first thing that I think could have been better about this B story. So they're doing a practice interview on Joe McGuire, right? This isn't a real interview. This is just for them to really iron out whatever kinks they have, really sort of get one interview unofficially under their belts. And Joe McGuire's like so excited that people are actually into her life, that people are like asking her questions about herself and she's so ready to be interviewed. I think it would have been hilarious if Joe McGuire had tried very, very hard to get onto Matt and Lanny's show. I love that. (laughs) I love that note. Yeah. That would fit in her just being so frustrated that Sam just so effortlessly gets to be on the show without even trying. Because this was literally the only time we saw Joe McGuire in this episode. It's true. We could have had more Joe. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, she was so excited at the concept of being a guest. But unfortunately, Matt says that she's not what their target audience is looking for. Who Who is Matt's target audience? Himself. <laughs> Just every version of Matt McGuire that exists. But Lanny also has like a scathing um, like shake of the head. It was it felt like a sick burn. I know. Joe um, McGuire, you made marigolds. That's not interesting enough. Yeah. Get out of here. You and your husband have been married for 15 years. Boring. (laughs) Yeah. And Joe McGuire's like, Fine, squash my dreams. (laughs) This this B story very much feels like the genesis of iCarly. Which is coming back. Yeah. Which is also being rebooted, unlike Lizzie McGuire. Wow, see, that's where we should have gone. (laughs) 
we really messed this up. If we had if we had done our an iCarly recap, then we could have you know met up with the the reboot. Oh, we did this so badly. I know. <laughs> maybe next podcast. Oh, maybe. But yeah, I don't know. It's like maybe Dan Schneider saw this episode of Lizzie McGuire and thought this could be a whole show, and thus iCarly was born. Perhaps because the iCarly show is very similar to it's a more um, advanced. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a more put together version of Matt's show, but it does very much rely on sketch, gag, comedy. So wait, you think that somebody from I- the creator of iCarly ripped off this idea from a specific Lizzie McGuire episode and used it as the basis for iCarly? Oh, it's just a theory. What do you think this is? Outer Banks? Ooh. Oh. Good one. That's based off a wait, headline I read this morning. I kind of feel... See, because part of me now is like, was that a dream? Or did Sam, like, I was like half asleep. Oh, no, that was a real headline that I told you. It very much looked like a self-published book. <laughs> so apparently Outer Banks is not. Allegedly. Oh, okay. We have to say allegedly. Allegedly, Outer Banks is completely ripped off from a novel that some guy wrote. And now he's like. They took all my characters. They took all my plot points. This is ripped directly from my book. And then the cover of the book is there. And it looks like he just maybe put it together in his garage. (laughs) Yeah, like Nick Miller wrote it. Yeah. So very exciting headlines on the Outer Banks front. But you're saying that that might be the case as well for the entire show of iCarly. I mean, this is a wild conspiracy theory, but you never know. I mean, I guess it's possible. And I wouldn't say rip off. I would say he was inspired by. Sure. I'm sure that's what the Outer Banks people are saying, too. I'm going to deep dive into that after this. (laughs) Yeah, you can follow up on the next episode. See what you've found. I will. Okay. So that is the setup for what is to come with Matt and Lanny. Now we are at the mall. And as we've already established, it is a pretty disappointing mall. The mall comes up a lot. We get a lot of hype around the mall. Miranda thinks she needs over five hours at the mall. So I'm confused about this scene because the first thing Gordo says at the mall is that he decided not to get a leotard for dancing. Is this necessary? Was this like a requirement? Why would you need to go get special dancing outfits for your substitute gym teacher? Maybe it was encouraged by Beth who did have real dance clothes. (laughs) That could be that could be it. Also, yeah, so this plot takes place over multiple days. Where is Coach Kelly? Why is she not here? Oh what gosh. is wrong with her? Is she okay? Is she okay? Does she have whooping cough? <laughs> Maybe is she, she having her stomach pumped? What is happening? <laughs> we want answers. We need to know if Coach <laughs> Kelly is okay. I don't know. Now I'm really worried about her. Me too. Oh, no. I know. But... I'm not really sure what this store is supposed to be emulating. Feels like off-brand department store vibes. I don't know. No store that I have ever been in for clothes has just had like random candy on a counter. Yeah, that looks like... like, take me. (laughs) This is like, I feel like the first thing you tell your children, like if you see a bowl of free candy, like it's not a free candy, you're going to get abducted. Yes. (laughs) Do not... Do not go over to that bowl of free candy. But they do. And, you know, Lizzie takes a couple. Miranda takes a lot. Yeah, Miranda, like, pours half the bowl into her purse. But you know what? It's free candy. Who cares? Yeah. It's free. Yeah, and again, it's another sort of hint of 
Oh, Miranda, that's weird. That's a little sketchy, except it's not. It's <laughs> except it's when you see something free, it's just it's free. You t- it's like when you go to uh, the grocery store and they have some free samples. Yeah. It's like you got to jump on that. Yeah, but Miranda really jumped on it. But Miranda really jumped on that. And this is where we get the first shot of this really sketchy mall cop um, sort of peeking behind behind clothes. Yeah, Paul Blart over here. Paul is Blart. Really <laughs> and he's really honed in on Miranda. Yeah, he's he's really fixated on these three suspicious teens, but Miranda especially. Yes. At this point, Gordo goes over to a rack of sunglasses and starts doing terrible imitations of a Secret Service agent, of an Italian man named Aldo, and of P. Diddy. Nailed it. Real great stuff. Uh, foreshadowing, perhaps? Perhaps. Aldo is a shoe sh- store. Aldi is a grocery store. Ooh. I can do this, too. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Miranda is over the impersonations and she and Lizzie go to look at lipsticks and they have this whole conversation about how flavored lipsticks are getting out of hand. And you know, that resonated with me. You would wear a mocha cappuccino lipstick? No, flavored lipsticks are getting out of hand. (laughs) Oh, so you would not wear a mocha cappuccino lipstick. It's interesting too, because um, in terms of lip makeup, Flavors usually are more of a gloss thing and less of a lipstick thing. I feel like it's a lot harder to make. Okay, you know what? This show was written by two big dudes, so they don't need to get into that kind of minutia. Well, it matters. (laughs) Miranda pulls a Lizzie, and by that I mean she's clumsy and, you know, drops a bunch. The the shelving kind of falls over and hastily picks them up and is ready to leave. Do you think she sees the cop looking at her? Cop is probably an, cop is an overstatement. The mall security guard. Let's not give him more credit. I mean, he's doing a very poor job of hiding himself. He's like peeking out from behind a rack. He's being so sketchy. And as a you know, fourteen year old girl, that would freak me out too, Miranda. I hear you. Get out of there. Okay, so I feel like in general, maybe there's a mall cop for the the mall as a whole, but individual stores will have their own security people and they'll just wait at the door, right? Yeah, and it did not seem like that type of store. Like, this isn't Gucci. <laughs> and they won't wear a... If you're just a, a, a security person for a store, you won't wear a full, like, mall cop outfit. You'll just wear, like, a black t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> So this was a very strange, they should not go back to this mall, I think is yeah. the <laughs> the lesson we should all take from this. Lizzie is not ready to leave, but Miranda wants Audi. So she heads to the door, but is stopped by the security guard on her way out. And he asks to see what's in her purse, believing that she stole a lipstick because he saw the rack fall over. He doesn't think that she put them all back. And Miranda is, you know, rightfully defensive. And as he goes through her purse, he finds a new unopened lipstick. Miranda says that she bought that last week and she just hasn't used it yet because she still had another, you know, mocha cappuccino flavored lipstick to finish first and asks Lizzie to back her up. Like you were there with me last week when we bought it. Lizzie's like, no, I wasn't. Lizzie's like, I don't think I was. <laughs> and she's like, no, like you, you were not in the store because you went to buy a pretzel, but we were at the mall together and I bought this lipstick. 
you know, this guy is like, come with me. Lizzie's like, wait. And he tells her to stay out of it unless she wants to come too. But of course, Lizzie is a good girl who doesn't get in trouble. So she just lets Miranda go off with a, you know, quite frankly, racist security guard. So that this is the start of just not a good episode for Lizzie McGuire. Why is only Lizzie on the hook and not Gordo? Because of what happens next, I think. Yeah, but either of them could have, you know, said something. Yeah, Gordo was there too, but yeah. he just gets to like, you know, kind of blend into the background. <laughs> and then he makes a like, look, I'm putting these sunglasses back as Miranda is being taken away. Like, this is so cringy, Sam. <laughs> and they just leave her there. They just leave her there. And they just, what do they do after the scene? They just like go home Clearly they do because they're at home and they're like, oh, I hope Miranda was okay. And is Joe McGuire just like, where's Miranda? And they're like, I don't know. Like what? Well, it's unclear if they're at Lizzie's house or Gordo's house. They're definitely at Lizzie's house. That is not Gordo's bedroom. It's not Lizzie's bedroom. (laughs) Oh, I just like, I can't get over the ways in which the show tries to set up this moment for Miranda with all of these little innocuous things. As if this is, you know, makes sense for her character. Yeah, no, it really just comes off as racial profiling. It really does. Like, <laughs> why isn't this happening to Lizzie? Why, like, what if this was flipped? I know, what Lizzie if, knocks over everything, as you said. Right. Why isn't Lizzie accused of stealing? Why is Miranda not backing her up? Why are you doing this to the only major Latinx presence on this show? The only real POC presence on this show? Like... Of course we have Lanny and we love Lanny, but Lanny's not allowed to talk. So it's just once again, choices were made and they aren't great in my very opinionated opinion. Yep. But we go back to the B story first before we get any of this. You're skipping ahead a little bit. I'm sorry. Of course, we have to go back to Matt and the map. And this is a crazy, this is a crazy advanced map. Yeah. So he set up a full studio. It looks like in the, is this the basement? I don't. I didn't think there was a basement. It's kind of unclear where they are. Yeah, it's like a storage. It's a room we've never seen before. There's. It's where the laundry is. And in this room, there's several monitors. There's one monitor that's kind of like a feedback monitor, so they can see how they are presenting themselves on air for their live show. There's another monitor that displays the um like geo locations of every listener who's tuned in, or I guess viewer who's tuned into their show. Which is very specific. Um, I guess they're only broadcasting throughout the United States because it is only a map of the 48 contiguous United States. And their setup is basically a couch. Matt's sitting on a couch and then Lanny is sitting on a chair off to the side. But it doesn't look like Lanny's on the screen. But he is. But he is sometimes. And the program is called Matt After Dinner. All about Matt. And it's all about Matt. And their first guest is Jackson Myers, the son of one Mike Myers. The one and only. <laughs> I mean, the uh, one of, <laughs> uh, not the only. Yes, because we learn that Jackson's dad isn't Austin Powers. He's Mike Myers, the dry cleaner. Yeah. And so it's funny because Matt can see people tuning in. I, this is like a very early Instagram live. It's too bad that there's no live captions. <laughs> People sending him messages. 
as the program is going on. But yeah, he can see people tuning in as he announces that the son of Mike Myers, like from the Austin Powers movies, is joining him on the show today. And then as soon as it's revealed that it's Mike Myers, the dry cleaner, people start tuning out. And Matt and Lanny are forced to scramble. Yeah. He's like, we have 20 minutes to fill. We're losing our audience. We need a guest. And they do this live on air. Can I just say? Yeah, everything is live. (laughs) There's no commercial breaks. They're having a full-blown conversation about what to do on their show, on the show. (laughs) Yes. And then Sam enters, and Matt decides that he's better than nothing, but Lanny's a little reluctant. So they start to interview Sam, and it's pretty dull. He's talking about... Um, greasing the lawnmower and not doing anything exciting with the lawnmower. Yeah, it's going poorly until Sam wipes grease on his face and it quickly devolves into a physical gag. Lots of things happen. (laughs) And the sillier it gets, the more people tune in. And Matt's like, we're a hit. This really is an early sort of depiction and perhaps a metaphor or a, a cautionary tale, let's say about social media. Well, I think this is just a real early indicator that Lanny went on to become an Instagram developer after developing websites. <laughs> he took what he learned from this live show and he was like, there are things that I liked and there are things that I didn't like and now we can turn this into Instagram Live. Wow. What a successful dude. <laughs> He's Lanny. He's Lanny. Lanny. He doesn't Onassis. waste his time talking to you if you're not going to you know, listen to him. Correct. Okay, so now we're back to the A story. We are in Lizzie's bedroom, except it's not her bedroom at all. Like, it's a completely different set design. I'm pretty sure it's Gordo's dining room. With a bed? (laughs) Made up to look like a bedroom. (laughs) Yeah, it's very strange. And they're worried about Miranda, which, you know, continues from my last question of what happened immediately after Miranda was taken away. I guess they just left them all. They were like, well... Guess we'll never see her again. (laughs) Yeah. What a weird reaction. Wouldn't you be like calling your parents? Wouldn't you be panicking? You would probably go with Miranda, no, (laughs) to wherever they took her. Right. You don't just let her go. Bad friends. This is why you don't take free candy, children. Correct. Bad things happen. And then Miranda calls. And I think we should play this clip. Okay. Hello? I'm home. Oh, that's such a relief. What'd she say? Did, did they find her? Uh, how much? My parents finally came and got me. They stood up for me. That's lucky. Is it gonna be all right? Well, it's not lucky. They should stand up for me. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, if you didn't do it. What do you mean, if I didn't do it? Of course I didn't do it. I mean, you, you do believe me, right? Um... Sure. You said, um, sure. You didn't say sure. You said, um, sure. You you don't believe me. Well... Is it going to be all right? Miranda, you did take all that candy, and you were at the lipstick rack, and then you just wanted to leave so quickly, and it was in your purse, and I told you why it was. Yeah, but, Miranda, the security guard said that he saw you. What am I supposed to believe? Well, you're supposed to believe me, and you don't. Thanks for being such a lousy friend. 
And if you think that's bad, Lizzie just continues to get worse. Uh, This clip provided us with our one soundboard contribution of the episode. Thanks for being such a lousy friend. Which I can foresee myself using a lot. Yes, because they are terrible to each other. They're to on a production note for a quick second because I love just criticizing choices that the sound effects guy makes. Why? Just, <laughs> why is there a little pop every time? And why do they need to keep changing the the boxes? <laughs> that was so annoying. I agree. In this like heartfelt moment with music that we've definitely heard before. Yes, it's the same. It's every time there's a heartfelt or emotional moment, it's this music. Yeah. But this time we got little screen pops. Wait, can I just mix. can I just listen to something for a second? So much drama. <laughs> Was that the same music? All right, so we have so much drama. And then we have Thanks for being such a lousy friend. <laughs> uh, wow. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Hard to tell. Similar what? Hard to tell. But yeah, I don't know. Again, I think it's just in terms of character and continuity stuff, it feels so weird that Lizzie is all of a sudden so suspicious of Miranda. I know she's the first person to criticize when somebody else is being a bad friend, but then <laughs> she has nothing to back that up. She's just like, oh, oh no, don't take my friend. Oh, she's gone. <laughs> I know. She's like, there's nothing redeeming about Lizzie's arc in this episode, in my opinion. Quite frankly, she's a dirk. Oh my god. Did you just say she's a dirk? What a dirk. Yeah. Stupid. Stand by that. <laughs> and, and you know, I think if we if we really get deep about it, it does come back, I think, to the, her her whiteness and like the idea of security guards being people that can be trusted because she's never had to experience what it's like to be racially profiled because she's a white girl. No, I, I, I very much agree. And that's why Miranda's parents are the first person to stick up for her. Absolutely. Like she sees this guard as a trusted authority when he was being so sketchy and intimidating. But this would never happen to Lizzie McGuire. So she can't even fathom a reality where, like, why would why would the security guard make this up? Because he racist. Yeah, and it's like, it's, I don't know. If someone demands to, like, look through your purse, you're not obligated to show them what's in your purse. No. Are you? Like, do you have a warrant? Yeah, I don't know. I think in the year 2020, these deeper things, these microaggressions, the racism perhaps would be unpacked a little but it's 2002 and we have to take what we can get for ourselves i suppose yeah really draw it out we have to go back to gym class first yes we are back in gym class miranda's not speaking to lizzie and right okay so we think that the bedroom scene is bad and this is where i'm like oh my god gordo's reaction to miranda not speaking to lizzie is Miranda can be a bit unreasonable at times. And we get the sequence of everything that Gordo says. Lizzie then says, how can you say that, Gordo? I practically accused her of stealing. And then Gordo says, you did kind of hang her out to dry. How can you say that, Gordo? Just because I doubted her for one second. And it's just so cringy. And it all culminates in basically Lizzie says, I know I let Miranda down, but she's calling me a bad friend. So she's letting me down. 
Yeah, that's a that's a real hot take. <laughs> real hot take, Lizzie. Way to way to center yourself. This isn't about you. Yeah, this is not about you. How's Miranda? How is Lizzie suddenly the victim in this situation? Miranda is letting you down because you called her a thief, and then she said, "How dare you call me a thief?" <laughs> like <laughs> that makes no sense. In what universe? This is the most Karen episode of Lizzie McGuire. Oh, Lizzie is such a Karen. Hate my friends. Yeah. You should hate them, Miranda. They (laughs) are bad. Yeah. Gordo then says everything will blow over soon and cue Miranda coming into class and asking for a new partner. I know. Lizzie, you clearly did not hear Ethan Kraft when he was talking to you the other day. You peeps. Do the right thing. Like, how does it, how many times do we need to tell her this? I know. But then, Sam, but then, not only does Lizzie McGuire center herself in this situation, now she gets to be partners with Ethan Kraft. She gets rewarded for this. Yeah, so they're going to switch partners because Miranda can't work with Lizzie anymore. So Mr. Dig is going to do a quick switcheroo. Miranda, you are going to be partnered with Cassie Pang, and Lizzie, you're going to be with Ethan Kraft. How is this real? Now you can go out with Ethan Kraft. Also, I'd like to add that it feels like this probably came before Just Friends. Um, There's not a lot of continuity. Yeah, it feels like it must have because Ethan has made it quite clear that he only sees Lizzie as a friend. Yes. So why she gets so excited about this prospect, you know, it's over. Stop it. It's over. Move on. Move on. Leave the poor himbo alone. (laughs) It's all right. He just let her fall. So Yeah, so there's a little bit of karma in that. He's distracted by, he says, whoa, there's a hawk with a mouse up there. Like in the ceiling? But Lizzie falls to the ground. Um, Did we talk about Cassie Pang? No, I thought we were finally going to see an Asian character on this show. But no, Cassie Pang is blonde and white. (laughs) What is this? What white girl is named Cassie Pang? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if there is a white Cassie Pang out there, apologies. I respect that you exist. But come on now. <laughs> like, why, why, where is the real Cassie Pang, please? I know. For being set in presumably the suburbs of Los Angeles, the fact that there are not a one, there are no Asian people in Los Angeles. <laughs> How is this possible? Cassie Pang, get out of here. I don't, you are not my MVP. No. (laughs) Least valuable player, Cassie Pang. So then we jump back to Matt after dinner. Um, Mid-show, he goes, now I know what you're thinking, Lanny. What did I have for dinner tonight? Three sauerkraut chili dogs and a root beer. And then he belches because that's funny. Yeah, he's going for cheap laughs and Lanny doesn't like the direction that the show is going. This is not what he signed up for. He signed up for a professional talk show. Lanny really wants this to be like, watch what happens live with Andy Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> and Matt's turning it into um, like ridiculousness on MTV. Yes. That is, yeah. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah. Sam enters and is now part of the next sketch. And it is extremely scripted and incredibly awkward. And yeah, if I were Lanny, I would be upset too. This is not the show that he envisioned. It's really not. And so Sam comes in. He's got a box full of feathers, some whoopee cushions, and a box of old maple syrup. What? Where did he find these things? Oh, just, just you know, laying around. 
I, I wrote in my notes, did he just like tar and feather himself? <laughs> he kind of <laughs> did. Yeah, all for the all for the show. It's it's super awkward. It's not good content. And so Lanny, he's done. He's out of here. Lanny walks out. And this gave you one of your favorite Matt lines of the episode. It did. And I will not do it justice, so we are going to play the clip. Lanny, you can't walk out. You and your precious dignity. You're just jealous you want the star. You'll be sorry. You're missing out on the big time. I just really love the way Matt McGuire says dignity. You and your precious dignity. Okay, we're back at gym class. It is the day of the dancing. Time to bust a move. This time, you will be graded. Gordo is surprisingly chill about this whole process. And we find out why. And it's because Beth is legitimately a ballerina. And so she is beautifully dancing around Gordo. And he's just standing in the middle doing all these different like stationary poses. He is broing. He is voguing. He is doing all of the things. She has the footwork and Gordo has the flair. Yep. That's what he says. That's what he says. Yeah. And then we learn that both Lizzie and Miranda's partners, new partners, are absent. Cassie Pang has whooping cough. And Ethan spotted a cloud that looks like a donkey and ran face first into a beehive. This is so unfair. This is a slanderous. Well, you know what? Maybe they realized that they can't continue to parade blonde white Cassie Pang around. <laughs> they were like, you know what, Cassie Pang, go away. Go. You have whooping cough now. Yes. So we are forced to reunite Sanchez and McGuire. And Mr. Dig understands that they haven't had the chance to practice together, so they're going to be free to improvise. Bad decision. Of course, we get some catty music because that's what happens when girls fight. Yeah, and Mr. Dig doesn't want to hear any yelling. They're yelling at each other about this, that, and the other thing, about how they're both bad friends, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no more talking. He wants to see some action. And then they just straight up fight. But like before the fight, while they're still talking, I would like to note that Lizzie grabbed Miranda first. And there was a lot of anger there that I had never seen before and have never seen since coming from Hillary Duff. Thanks for being such a lousy friend. Like it is incredibly aggressive. And then they just straight up fight. And Mr. Dick has to break it up. And it's like your typical depiction of a catty girl fight. It and is. Gordo's just standing there laughing. Not helpful. Not helpful at all. Cut back to Matt show that has now become the Sam and Matt show. Lanny is nowhere to be seen. Lizzie enters with laundry as this room that they are using as their studio is apparently the laundry room Which, as well. Which, can I just say, terrible place to have a show with a running washing machine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, not not great production there. Yeah, the phone starts to ring, and Lizzie just, like, picks a landline up out of the hamper. Lizzie was about to throw the phone into the washing machine. No, I think she just carries it around with her. No, I think, I fully believe that she was about to throw it into the washing <laughs> okay. machine. I'll let you believe that. That's what I believe. Lizzie answers the phone and says that no one's there, so it must be Lanny. Matt takes the call on the air and immediately... The tables turn. Matt can't do the end of his show. He has to go help Lanny. A couple of his dad's peacocks ate his history diorama. Lanny, where do you live? (laughs) (laughs) 
Lanny has some secrets. <laughs> he really does. And Lizzie is a little bit confounded by this. She's like, wait, aren't you mad at Lanny? Aren't you guys fighting? Didn't he walk off your set? And Matt's like, yeah, but he's my friend and he needs me. Case closed. No questions asked. Case closed. And then Lizzie's brain explodes because she actually just learned something from Matt. Oh, my God. When all is said and done, at the end of the day, Matt McGuire comes through for his friends. Learn something feels like a very generous term. Like, <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time Lizzie quote-unquote learned something, I would be a rich person. But does she actually learn something? Well, it's because it will be entirely <laughs> forgotten by the next episode. Yes. Can we really say she learned something? She had a brief moment of enlightenment that will <laughs> propel us to the end of the episode. She has a brief moment, but then chooses just the wrong moment Correct. <laughs> to really, you know, share this with, with Miranda. Yes, because in the next scene, a random teacher that we have never seen before, but who is apparently the English teacher that Mr. Dig is always subbing for, accuses Miranda of cheating on her paper of the red pony. You know, by this point, I had totally forgotten about the red pony. And Lizzie overhears this accusation, and this is where she comes through. And she's like, oh, no, she didn't. My best friend doesn't cheat. That's it. Case closed. No questions asked. But Miranda did use the easy read notes. <laughs> yeah, Lizzie, just stop. Just, like, mind. first of all, why are you just eavesdropping outside the classroom, like, ready to pounce? And secondly, you know, Miranda did re read the easy. They're not spark notes here. They're easy notes. But the, the excuse is that she had a math test and a history paper and this book report on the same day. I respect that. School is overwhelming. Yeah, but the teacher is like, you know what? I understand your shortcut. You can just do this again. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> what? A little too forgiving. <laughs> what now? <laughs> you don't think this is realistic? I don't know. I feel like... Let's be real, though. Like, we all read the spark notes. Your book report is usually kind of like a literary analysis. It's not like, oh, this happened and this happened and this happened. So the idea that she could read the easy notes version of the book and then write a report and the teacher could be like, this seems too professional is the criticism is just a little bit confusing to me. Like what easy notes version is too professional? <laughs> That's literally the opposite of easy notes. Yeah. You know, I didn't think of that before, but you're right. It makes no sense. We just needed a moment to get Lizzie in. Yeah. And in she gets. And after this encounter, Lizzie apologizes to Miranda. She tells her that you're always there for me. And from now on, I'm always going to be there for you, too. And then we get this, like, during this, we get this weird line from Miranda where she says, I know we do stuff that looks kind of bad sometimes. <laughs> But I would never steal. Um, like, what does that mean? Why do? Why are we still trying to like justify the profiling that occurred? Yeah, validate Lizzie's bad friendship. Right. On top of it, I don't know why we're doing that, and I don't really know what she's. Re Maybe she's just referring to this. Move it. Yeah, I don't know. It just. <sighs> Sigh. Or maybe it's just she can't live up to, you know, Lizzie's high expectations. Sometimes it's like I'm too perfect. It's true. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. But then that's the end of the episode. It ends with a trust fall. Full circle. 
and Miranda, Lizzie does not trust. This was not a good episode. This was a terrible episode, and it made me actively upset. (laughs) It made Marissa very upset. (sighs) Okay, let's finish this up. All right. Let's move on. Yeah, let's, let's, we don't need to, you don't need to talk about it anymore. We're going to forget that we saw this episode now. Well, we're going to talk about the outfits first. Oh, I guess that's fair. (laughs) But there's really not a whole lot to say. I mean, Miranda. Look at at Miranda. Sorry, can I just say, Miranda wears all of this patriotic stuff because immigrants felt that they needed to so that people wouldn't think that they were thieves or terrorists. And yet she gets profiled regardless. Didn't even work. Didn't even work. Yeah, look at her with her rhinestone American flag shirt. An American flag bandana. Red, white, and blue. headband, rather. Jacket. Yeah. Lizzie's just wearing, you know, a pink half sleeve. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And Gordo Gordo looks like he's wearing, dare I say, a shacket, which was one of my holiday gifts this year. <laughs> a cross between a shirt and a jacket. A shacket. <laughs> Let's talk about Mr. Dig, the gym teacher. Yeah, let's talk about him. Why is he wearing a headband across his forehead? He's ready to take you to school. Oh, he looks like he he looks like Flashdance. That's why. <laughs> I get it now. For for context, Sam first showed like a zoomed in shot of just his face, and now I'm getting the full body shot, and it's very Flashdance. Yeah, a little bit. I also this is the first time I'm really looking at the mural behind them, and it has golf back here. Was golf ever a gym class? Uh, activity for you yeah oh wow I never did the golf section golf I did not note all of the very white figures on that mural that's yes (laughs) very true all right let's let's talk Mr. Mall Cop here who is just fully decked out multiple badges he's your typical Paul Blart right like the stereotypical what you would how these sort of mall cop security guards have been depicted he's just missing a segue yes can we talk a little bit about how Matt's show outfits are pretty much just very different color? Like if you took Steve from Blue's Clues. Yes, I was just going to say that. <laughs> and you grayed out his shirt a little bit or you made it orange. Like these are all Blue's Clues Steve shirts. Yeah, I would say so. I don't really understand why they are like that, but that is the situation we have. Gym class uniforms are back. So even though they have, they have co-ed gym now, they're still forced to wear these Best Buy shirts. Yep. For an unspecified reason. Mr. Dig Day 2. New headband, same look. It's getting real into it. Yeah. Why is Ethan's gym shirt long sleeve and everybody else's is short sleeve? He's cold. <laughs> why Why is that? I don't know. Mr. Dig Gym Outfit Day 3. It gets progressively more, <laughs> shall I say. Yeah. Miranda has ballet shoes. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that the first time. Miranda's ready to go. Yeah, Miranda looks like me when I went to dance class. But, you know, her outfit is not quite as impressive as Beth Beth Lundberg. Yeah. Beth Lundberg has gone full out for this presentation. Oh, yeah, she's in, you know, a pink leotard, black skirt, tights, and she has point shoes on. Those are not just ballet shoes, Sam. Those are point shoes. She's ready for some pirouettes, for some plies, for some... That's my full knowledge of ballet. <laughs> <laughs> no, pretty good. Yeah. When Matt... Or sorry, when Lanny leaves his, the Matt and Lanny show, Matt After Dinner, it all sort of devolves, and Sam and Matt find themselves wearing farmer's outfits. How would you describe these? I would say like Scarecrow and the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, a little bit. 
Yeah, it's a look. I mean, they're really committing to their sketches. Why has Sam McGuire put a flower pot on his head and a fake mustache on his oh, face? Oh, wow. So Matt is Scarecrow in Wizard of Oz. Sam is the garden <laughs> that Matt observes Yeah, I, or watches I, over. I guess so. And then lastly, Miranda's final outfit is a shirt that just says, thank you, thank you, thank you, kind of like a Chinese food takeout bag. It does. That is the design. Yeah. <laughs> to go along with some... Um, like Talbot's pants, though. Yeah, it kind of matches Kate's skirt from the last episode. Oh, a little bit, yeah. And who the heck is this teacher? Where'd you come from? <laughs> I don't know. You're don't... not Dot Marie. Why? Where's Dot Marie Jones? I don't think we'll ever see her again. We did not even get her name. We did not. Why is there a, why is there a map in the English classroom? You know, these are the real questions. <laughs> <laughs> this is what gets us through. Yeah. Okay. MVP time? Yes, MVP time. Cool. Sam, who is your MVP? MVP here has got to be Matt McGuire. I mean, I don't think there's any question here. Like, Matt McGuire, he, first of all, put together his own late-night show. Perhaps he and the creative director had some differences of opinion, but that's to be expected in any late-night show. But when the moment came and Matt had to make a decision between his show and helping out his friend and his peacocks, Matt made the decision to help out Lanny. Case closed. That's an MVP move in my book. And so for that reason, Matt, you are the MVP of this episode. I am there with you 100%. There is no question in my mind that Matt McGuire is the only viable VIP. VIP? Matt is an MVP and a VIP. (laughs) You know what? He is. He's the most valuable person, and he's a very important person. (laughs) I stand by that. Okay. That's fair. All right. So one episode after Lizzie McGuire swept the board, Lizzie McGuire not even in the conversation. It's Matt McGuire trying to make up some ground here. Can I take a point away from Lizzie McGuire for this episode? (laughs) That's my question. Unfortunately, no, you cannot. All right. I'm going to need to do some recalculating because I think these numbers might be slightly off, but I think that Lizzie is still ahead by around two or three. Slight lead, slight lead. Plenty of time for Matt to pull out the win, though. Definitely plenty of time, but as we've always, as we've been saying for a while now, they have pretty much doubled up on third place Joe McGuire. So that's that is it. What a what an episode to close out twenty twenty, Sam. What more? There was no more fitting way than to close out twenty twenty with just a big disappointment. <laughs> oh, womp womp. <laughs> uh, yeah. That really sums it up. Hopefully 2021 will be better. Yes, emphasis on the hopefully. So yes, big disappointment was episode 210 in Miranda Lizzie Does Not Trust. As always, you can follow us at Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter or email us at outfitrepeaterspodcast at gmail.com. As always, this episode of the podcast will be available on our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfitrepeaters or on any platform where podcasts are available. And be sure to tune in next week for episode 211, Over the Hill. Yep. And... What, Happy New Year? See you next year. See you next year. 2021.